Morning, Christ City Church. My name is Matthew. I serve as one of the pastors here. I'm glad to be with you today. It's, it's a joy. Uh, I'm grateful for the, for the technology that we have uh, to be able to do this. I'm, I'm grateful for my colleagues uh, who are slight, slightly more tech savvy than I am to be able to help us carry this service to you. I'm grateful that all of you are able to join us online and have the technology and infrastructure to be able to gather in this way as well. I say that because I'm, I'm aware that there remain other congregations, even in our city, that are having a harder time of it than we are here. And over the past um, several weeks, especially, I've, I've wanted to be an encouragement to them, um, to the beautiful, low-tech ways that they have remained faithful. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of them, actually, saints, every one of them. As, as Justin mentioned last week, um, I'm, I'm sobered. We're all sobered. March 15th, 2020 was our first live stream, our first virtual gathering due to COVID. Uh, I went back and looked at the video. Uh, when I opened that service, I, I shared with you that we were streaming our services out of care and concern and compassion for our neighbors. And I also shared that we would be streaming for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Not everything your pastor says is 100% right 100% of the time. Family, I miss you. We miss you. And I'm hopeful that we're rounding a corner with the pandemic as vaccines get distributed and COVID cases continue to largely downwardly trend. I'm, I'm hopeful, but let's continue to, rem to remain vigilant. Let's continue to do the careful things of wearing masks and washing our hands, of checking in on those that are isolated and those that are of highest risk and the elderly. Let's, let's continue in this for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of the reputation of the gospel. And let's be those that display God's love for D.C. by caring for the public health of our city. We'll be back. We'll, we'll be back in church. We'll, we'll be back together soon. Best believe. Um, I don't yet know when. The elders and staff and leadership, we're praying and we're working and we're discerning and we're trusting that in God's time, we will regather in person. But in between now and then, let's continue in the faith, following Jesus, being salt and light, praying and and bearing witness. All right. Amen. Amen. We together. Somebody say we together. Somebody in the chat. Somebody unmute in the chat and say we're together on the Zoom call. We're together. Right, I got it. Amen. We're together. I got it. I got it. Good. <laughs> Thank you, friends. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, we began exploring the topic of prayer generally and the Lord's Prayer more specifically. We began this series out of a hope that, that, that we as a church might begin to understand and begin to experience the power of God in our midst as we call upon him. Now, prior to beginning the series, we launched our weekday morning prayer gatherings. And so since Ash Wednesday, as a church, we've been gathering each morning at 7 a.m. to begin our days in prayer. We've, we've been praying for, for God's presence in our lives. We've prayed for those in our lives who have yet to come to know Jesus. We have uh, we've prayed for our city. We've prayed for our world. We've prayed for those experiencing homelessness. We've prayed for the sick. We've prayed for an end to COVID and a whole, just a whole host of, of other things. And many of you have, have joined in with that. Uh, we've also prayed in uh, our small groups. We've prayed together. We've, we've prayed using different forms of praying. Uh, last week, we prayed the, the names of God. We've prayed breath prayers. We've prayed prayers of intercession, all in the context of our small group gatherings. And the reason for all of these prayers during this season and in this sermon series is so that we might become more attuned to the Spirit's work in us and around us 
and so that we might grow in our understanding of and experience of the power of God. And listen, we're going to continue to pray. Uh, If you haven't yet taken advantage of the morning prayer meetings, we still have three weeks left until Easter. Uh, And we're going to continue to pray through this Lenten season. So you can join us at the link in the chat, 7 a.m. to 7.20 each weekday morning. I I pray that, that you will join us this week. We've, we've matched these prayers, both in the morning and in small group, we've matched these prayer rhythms with a sermon series that has us exploring the Lord's Prayer. And this is a prayer that was recorded in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6 during Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. It's a prayer that Jesus uh, invited his disciples to pray and that Jesus invites us to pray. We've been walking through this prayer verse by verse by verse, phrase by phrase, in order to understand Jesus' invitation and Jesus' instructions on prayer and consider how Jesus' prayer ought to inform our own prayer life. Today, uh, we're going to continue looking uh, in Matthew 6. We're going to look in verse 10. And the phrase in the Lord's Prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me say, one of the, I don't know, maybe one of the ways that I've come to sort of understand or live this verse is actually for my wife and her family. So let me explain. One of the holidays that my wife, uh, Lisa, right here, uh, and her family um, celebrates around Christmas uh, is a celebration called Noche Buena. Now, my wife's Cuban-American, and this tradition is one that's uh, celebrated in a number of Latin American cultures. The first time I experienced Noche Buena was in Miami with the Rodriguez. It takes place Christmas Eve and is a celebration anticipating Jesus' birth. Uh, Noche Buena, it's like, you know, it's like one part family reunion, one part massive feast. And one of the things that the sit, that's at the centerpiece of this gathering is a roasted whole pig, like a massive, like 50-pound pig. Like sometimes if you got a lot of family there, then you got to have two pigs. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of swine. And there's, uh, there's like black beans, rice, plantain, yuca flan, coquito, like all of this. But the centerpiece is this massive beast of pig that's been marinated in Cuban seasonings and mojo and has been slow roasting over a small fire stoked with guava branches and covered with banana leaves. And I got to tell you, it's just amazing. Over the years, Lisa and I and the kids would make our way to Miami for the holidays and we'd celebrate. Now, you know, because of distance and just other obligations and stuff, we weren't able to make it each year. And so the years that we couldn't make the pilgrimage to Miami, then afterwards we would see pictures of family members that were there and our hearts would ache knowing that we missed. And then our mouths would water because we didn't get a chance to eat any lechon with Uncle Danny. So one year, a few years ago, Lisa says to me, babe, because... She's my wife. She calls me babe because I'm a guy. She says, babe, let's have a Noche Buena here. Like in D.C. in our backyard. I'm like, bet. Let's do it. So for a couple of weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, we begin making preparations. Lisa's sisters, they like they make their way to D.C. I work at locating a whole pig, which isn't the easiest thing. You know, initially came with a whole host of other stories that I can't tell you right now, maybe in a hangout or something. But the day arrives 
and I'm trying to make this pig in my backyard. And it's at this point that I realized that if you're cooking this in Miami, it's like 85 degrees and sunny and you have all the things that you need. You have, you have guava branches and banana leaves and I'm roasted, but I'm roasting this pig on Capitol Hill and it's like 35 degrees and I'm having to use like oak branches and corrugated tin. And, you know, I mean, adjustments have to be made. And besides, you know, a couple of Lisa's sisters, you know, at our Noche Buena, like we didn't have a whole lot of family in town, but we had a bunch of neighbors. And some of you that live close by, like you all showed up. And when the pig was done, it wasn't, you know, wasn't Uncle Danny and Poppy like cutting up the pig. I think one year it was like David Hood and Mike, Bill, Mike Bell doing the carving duties. And that night, our Noche Buena celebration gave us a taste of what we missed and what we were longing for. And it wasn't perfect, but it was a version of on E Street Southeast as it is in Little Havana. It was a, it was a signpost, it was a foretaste. It was, it was an anticipation of another feast that we longed for. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is inviting us to pray to our Father in heaven to bring into our world the realities of God's world. As theologian N.T. Wright states that the prayer articulates the longed-for witnessing of heaven and earth colliding, God's space and our space integrated at last. One question that we have to consider is, or that we have to wrestle with as we consider praying for God's kingdom and God's will is what are these things? What, what is God's will and what is God's kingdom? Uh, and these, I think these are the right questions and, and I do want to spend a moment addressing them, but I also want to remind us and remind me uh, that the focus of this message in this series isn't on a theology of the Lord's prayer. It's, it's not even on engage, is engaging and worthwhile as that might be, um, but it's rather on how Jesus' prayer informs our prayers. The focus is how are we now to pray? So, so, so keeping our eye on that target, a few thoughts reflecting on an answer to what is God's kingdom and what is God's will. A, a kingdom is, is historically imagined as a geography over which a king holds rule. And the will of a king are those collective actions that reflect the king's reign uh, and wishes or the king's administration. Over the years, the way that we at Christ City have, have tried to articulate God's kingdom is by using a definition that Pastor Justin introduced years ago for us. And that definition is that God's kingdom is God's rule and reign in every life and every sphere of life. God's rule refers to the new way of living that God brings about and makes possible in every person's life. And God's reign refers to the realm where God is in charge where what God wants to happen actually happens, where, where God's will is done. What's captured in the definition or attempted to be captured is the understanding that praying for God's kingdom and God's will is to pray that God's life, God's care, God's love, God's power, God's rescue and renewal would take up residence in the life of each person, in, in the life of each family, each relationship, and that God's reign would animate each system, structure, and sphere of our lives. The, the holistic nature of God's kingdom is it's a cosmic view of God's kingdom. It's a, it's, it's a prayerful longing that the things that are whole and healed and liberated and loved in heaven, that those things might find expression in our lives and in our world. 
This, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it's not a privatized, spiritualized prayer. It's not less than that, but it's much more than that. Jesus' first followers, they, they wouldn't have heard the, the Lord's Prayer and believed that kingdom simply meant some religious advice, nor some improved spirituality or, or a better code of morals or even a new theology, they would have assumed something much stronger and and they would have assumed that God's kingdom was a much more dangerous claim. They believed that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that the whole of the cosmos was turning a corner for brokenness to healing and from loss to being found and from slavery to liberation. For those gathered on that mount, hearing Jesus' sermon, to hear the invitation to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it would have triggered imaginations of a second exodus. It would have have stirred the longings for a kingdom that, as Dr. Dennis Edwards notes, is a kingdom marked by forgiveness and liberation. Forgiveness from sins that have been committed and liberation from sins, domination in all of its forms, systems, structures, and enslavements. <clears throat> when, when we began the series, two ways that, uh, that I defined prayer was one as communion with God, and two is as crying out to God to come through on his promises, namely his promises of salvation. And this is precisely what Jesus is praying and instructing us to pray. We're invited to pray for God's kingdom and will, God's rule and reign, God's love and loving kindness to take up residence, to incarnate in the lives of humanity and in humanity's collective lives. That's what we're invited to pray. There's, but we've got a problem. There's a, there's, a, there's a but that's here. There's a reality check for us. And that's this. What do we do with the ongoing presence of things that aren't as God intended? What do we do with the existence of another kingdom, not God's kingdom? What do we do with pandemics and violence? What do we do with injustice and poverty? Marks of a kingdom that display the antithesis of God's kingdom of embrace and justice and healing. Now, I know that we're in the season of of Lent, uh, the time leading up to Easter, but I want you to think back to Christmas. During the Christmas season, the days leading up to Christmas, the the season that we call Advent, often at Christ City, we talk about the truth that we are living in between the two Advents. The first Advent, the first Christmas when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and then the second Advent when Jesus will return again, when he will finally and fully complete what was initiated on the cross and in the resurrection. Right now, we live between these two great moments. Theologians often talk about this or refer to this as the already not yet. The kingdom is already here. It's not yet here. The kingdom is here. Jesus, Jesus did, usher in, uh, did usher in the new kingdom with his arrival. The kingdom of God is in breaking into our world, and it is not yet. The fullest version of it, the fullest manifestation of God's kingdom is still on the horizon. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, he often used parables, like the two parables that were read earlier in the service. These parables are intended to describe what the kingdom is like and what the characteristics of the kingdom are. In the parables in in Matthew 13, just a, a few chapters after the Lord's Prayer, the kingdom is likened to a mustard seed and to yeast, something that's small 
It might even be unobservable. But given time, given space, given work, given prayer, it grows into something that sustains life and holds life. Jesus is telling us that the kingdom that he is inaugurating, that it's like that. Now, this would have been nearly unimaginable to the first hearers, and it might be unimaginable to us as well, because kingdoms don't arrive like that. They don't arrive unnoticed and unassuming. They storm into town with fanfare and regal and violence. There's a, but there's another kingdom that's present. There's an enemy to God's kingdom that's not keen to release his stronghold. And we see the presence of this ungodly kingdom and injustice and racism and violence and school-to-prison pipelines and inadequate housing and unjust economies and any other number of ways that the enemy looks to mar and mangle the image of God and people. Earlier this week, when, um, when the pastors were talking through this text in our, in our weekly sermon planning meeting, I asked uh, my pastor, Justin, uh, what do you do with the reality of the already not yet aspects of God's kingdom, especially in the presence of so much sorrow? And in his wisdom, Justin thought for a minute, he leaned back in his chair and he used this thing with his lips where he, uh, when he's thinking real hard. And he said, what we have to do in those moments so we got to keep looking, got to keep praying, we have to keep working. we got to keep looking. Don't stop looking for the kingdom. Keep your eyes open and peeled for the signs of life amidst the death, for the signs of resurrection amidst the crucifixions that are all around us. Got to keep looking. we got to keep praying. That's part of why Jesus instructs us in this way to ensure that we will continue to pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. We have to keep praying, praying with our eyes open and our eyes closed. We've got to keep working, but not working on our own, but working in community so that we can bear witness to God's ongoing and breaking goodness to one another. We have to continue in the work of God's kingdom and continue in the testifying to one another to the places where we see God's kingdom breaking into the world. Got to keep looking, got to keep praying, got to keep working. And, and I know there's a lot more um, to say, but you just kind of turn a corner. This brings me to our prayer practice this week. Each week we have lifted up a way for us to pray through the week. It was prayers of intercession the first week, breath prayers the second, praying the names of God last week. And this week I want to invite us into the practice of prayer walking. Prayer walks are, are just what they sound like. You walk and you pray. They are opportunities that we have to walk in our neighborhoods and in our communities with a spiritual awareness about us. It's, it's walking with the intention of praying specifically and praying specifically for God's kingdom to come in our neighborhoods and God's will to be done in our communities as it is in heaven. That's the invitation for you. This week, I want you to carve out some time, mask up, go for a walk in your neighborhood. Asking God to show you signs of life and signs of death. Signs of his kingdom breaking in and places where the enemy still has a hold. And pray over those places. And those spots where you see evidence of God at work. Maybe it's a playground where you see kids enjoying an afternoon or you see neighbors working on a car together in the street or, or or maybe it's creation showing you the first signs of spring. In those moments, let your prayer walk be prayers of hallelujahs. You'll also see signs of death. You might see folks in your neighborhood struggling with addictions that continue to frustrate their flourishing. 
pray for God's deliverance. You might see signs of gentrification and dislocation. Pray for God's provision and God's justice. And as you walk, pray prayers of blessing over the houses and apartments and businesses and yards and parks and streets and street lights. Wherever you place your foot, let that place be marked by a prayer prayed by you for God's abundance over that place. And as you walk, consider where you're seeing God's kingdom breaking into the world and consider where God's inbreaking kingdom is still needed. Pope Francis, in his uh, book of reflections on the Lord's Prayer, he says, uh, he says this, The kingdom of God is that which we must allow ourselves to be possessed by, to be possessed by the certainty that it has come. It is into God's kingdom, the now and the not yet, that we cast our life's anchor and hold on to the cord because the kingdom is still coming. The kingdom, church, is still coming, and it's here. And as it arrives, let us be among those that herald its arrival with our prayers. Let us work for it and look for it in glorious anticipation. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that... We wouldn't just recite the Lord's Prayer, but God, that we would live it. That we would pray it not just in this moment or these moments in our liturgy, but God, that you would find us praying it as we walk through our neighborhoods and communities this week. That we would see signs of life and death, that we would sing hallelujahs and lament sorrows that are in our neighborhood and pray prayers of thanksgiving for the ways and places that your kingdom is in breaking and also acknowledge the places where it still is on the horizon. God, let us not get weary in it. You've been a long year. But you've been with us, and it's not been so long that we have lost sight of you. And it has not been so long that you are still not at work, moving us towards an appointed time where you will faithfully and finally complete what was started in the resurrection. Until now and then, let us see signs of it. Let us savor tastes of it, even as we ache for its full fruition. Let us be participants in it and with our lives and be a living foretaste and sign and demonstration of your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, preparing for the sermon series, we asked a number of the artists within our community to creatively reflect on the Lord's Prayer and to share a piece of art, a song, or a piece of poetry that captures some aspect of the prayer. As we prepare for communion, I want to share with you a reflection from Nate Wong, one of our Christ City members. Uh, Nate has shared a photo, a photograph, and a reflection that seeks to capture, I think, the essence of, of a prayer walk. An open-eyed prayer that sees the inbreaking of God's kingdom and finds a soulful hallelujah. I want to share the amazing photograph with you. Give you a minute to reflect on God's kingdom, to prepare yourself for communion. And then I'll read Nate's short reflection before moving to communion. So take a look.
Nate shares his picture, a picture that he took. Represents the inbreaking sun off the coast of the island of Barbados. And he writes this. Maranatha. The simple Aramaic word Maranatha, our Lord come, seems to contain both a reality and a hope. This hope of liberation is our deepest desire as Christians. It's a cry that looks past the world's horizons to glory waiting just beyond. This kingdom Jesus talks about is not of a ruling party, but rather of a transformed heart that brings healing and forgiveness. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.